Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with with me is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hello, Josh Lindsay. Hello. And as with us, as always, I'm having a hard time talking today. <laughs> I'm just, my tongue just doesn't okay. want to work. It's we all have those kind of days. We're yes. Just, we're not doing anything where you need to talk, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, Jason, you could talk and I could push buttons. <laughs> uh, that, no, that no one will hear anything. <laughs> all right. Okay, well, Jason Rugg is with us as always. Hey there. He's so, our t- trusty, dusty, research extraordinaire, putting pushing. Wow. <laughs> pushing That's contagious. <laughs> this is the disease going around. Yikes. All right. Let's just forget all that introduction and jump right That's in. Right. We're not going to start over. We're just going to keep going. So it's been a while. It has. I've been gone. You've been gone. Actually, you guys don't know this, but I recorded an episode without you. Get out of here. I did. What? It was my Thanksgiving episode. Hey, you told us you were going to do that. Yeah, we so I did it. So well, I wasn't you paying did. attention, apparently. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just a quick Thanksgiving episode oh, okay. just to tell everybody kind of what's been going on. So you've had several screenings since we saw you last. I have. I um, think the last one we updated on was the DC screening. There was a big one in Branson. There was a big one in Branson. And you had Danny and Flo all the way from France come out for that one. I did. The people in Branson were unbelievably phenomenal. So what was the film festival? So the film festival is the Branson Military Film Festival, but it's not like Cannes or Sundance where you win an award or whatever. This is just a group of people, um, two individuals that actually started it, Tom Forrester and um, Colonel James Wilhite. Um, Tom works for the Branson um, IMAX Entertainment Complex, and this is a big complex that um, has an IMAX screen, but it also has tons of shops and restaurants and um, things like that. It also has a live theater in there, and there are just two amazing uh, owners of this establishment who are super supportive of um, the military. And Branson, I have to say... I know four or five different towns with four or five different events that say they are the biggest veterans, you know, community of all time, anywhere, any place. And I've been to all of them. And I do have to say, I was pretty blown away by what happens in Branson because mm. they don't um, they don't treat veterans week any differently than they treat the rest of the year. Um, all of the shops there and and shows, everybody gives, you know, special discounts to veterans and they honor them in many different ways. So um, they just are super veteran focused and, you know, their gratitude pours out. And so um, Tom Forrester and James Wilhite decided to put this fo- – Film Festival together. It's I think it's seven years old. Um, and C.O. Bauer, who was a veteran in our film, um, was at his 95th Infantry Division reunion. And Colonel James Wilhite is also in the 95th Infantry Division, and they were chatting it up. And wow. he said, yeah, we've got this Branson Military Film Festival. And, said, and C.O. Bauer said, well, you need to know about this film. <laughs> so that happened back in July. And so they called us right away and asked if we could be a part. And I'm like, well, we're just at the rough cut stage, but if you want to have us and they were so excited and they wanted to fly Danny and Flo over so somebody donated money for them to come for two weeks and then they put us up in the best hotel in Branson Um, thank you very much La Quinta Inn (laughs) and um, then they gave us tickets to the Presley show 
1942 All Hands on Deck radio show, <laughs> the and the last one, oh, and the um, Liverpool Legends Beatles show. Oh, wow. And In we Branson? were... In Branson, and then then we were also is Yakov Smirnov still there? Yes, actually. And so there were some opening ceremonies and a closing ceremonies. And I have to tell you, the opening ceremonies—I don't know what happened. I don't know if they were totally organized, but it it seemed like it was just you know I was in somebody's living room and they were you know introducing all the things that were going on that week, and there were some acts. But the best of that day was Yakov Smirnov. And the thing that's so interesting is I had gone to Yakov's show in Branson at some point, and it was the worst show in Branson. And so when I saw he was on the list, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be terrible. And he was phenomenal because he really just did a stand-up comic routine. But he was just talking about his experience and being an immigrant and what it was like to come to America. And it was really from the heart. So and and this audience so like this week and a half is veterans from all over the country come to Branson for these events and they bring in these huge busloads of people. So what are they, what are they watching besides your film? So there were two other films, Scramble the Sea Wolves and the other one was Chosen. Um and so is that the uh Dallas? Korean? No. no, no, it's a Korean War story. I think I can't really remember because I didn't have time to see either one of those stories. Oh. Sadly, but I heard they were phenomenal. Um, so basically, we an- we anchored this film festival, and so we um, were shown on Wednesday and Friday. The interesting thing is, we were shown at eight thirty a.m. And you would think, who's going to go to the movies at eight thirty a.m.? However, it was. Packed. We wow. had two sold-out houses of 350 people each. Wow. The former governor of Missouri, John Ashcroft, came and was our guest of honor at the very first one. And he, um, you know, it was my dad's birthday. My dad came into town, and he and my father are friends. And um, so of course he, they are. <laughs> <laughs> he spoke, and yeah, he used to be the attorney general as yeah. well. Um, and so that was that's the first time I'd ever met him in person. So that was exciting. He just loved the film. And um, they gave Danny the key to the city. Oh. So she just kept talking about how she has the key to the city. And when she comes back, she's going to go to the bank. <laughs> and uh, she was so proud of that key. And she was just so honored. And it was the first time that Danny and Flo had ever seen our film, of course, in the United States with an American audience. And um, it was Packed with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan. And um, as always, at all of our screenings, um, the audience was so, so moved. And the fact that she was there and Flo was there. um, Danny and Flo told me at some point when somebody asked them how it was, they said, we're just exhausted, but not from sleep you know, exhaustion. It's so emotionally exhausting because all of these people that come to talk to us just are sobbing and Mm -hmm. thanking us and touched to meet us. And so they're very emotional people and it makes them cry. And with tears of joy, you know, but oftentimes the same thing that happened to me when I go place to place and share the story, veterans then tell me their stories, their hard memories. And um, that was happening with Danny and Flo as well. So um, 
And then at every place we went, whether it was the opening ceremonies, the closing ceremonies, or those other Branson shows that I told you about, she was featured and interviewed and stood up. And it it was just – it was overwhelming, I think, for them. People gave them gifts, and we they had a convention floor called the Veterans Village where we had a table, and we, you know, they were there to sign autographs or take pictures, and we had T-shirts and different stuff. And um, they, this one Vietnam veteran, he was the very first veteran that they met. His name was Robert, and... He met them, talked to them, and as soon as he found out about them, he just was overcome with uh, how sweet they were to him. And um, he gave them his hat, his Purple Heart hat. Oh, wow. And then a group of people had just taken all these pins that they had brought from Utah Beach, and they were very sad about that. So he gave them $100. Like and then wait, uh, someone like stole their pens. Yeah, but you know it was a convention where people we had pens out on the table, so people just walked by and took them. Like oh. they were wanting to sell them or give them away uh-huh. to special people. And when this veteran heard that, he gave them a hundred dollars for their pens. Uh, I got you. I got you. Okay. So um, things like that would would happen often, mm-hmm. um, and they were making connections with. Um, all types of veterans with World War II veterans all the way down the line. And I think when I processed things with them afterwards, Flo told me at one point that she saw everything with a new perspective, that it wasn't just about Normandy or for Normandy. I think I had communicated to all the people in Normandy that this really was for them, and I wanted to tell their story. And I think they thought it was for them, but didn't think necessarily beyond their borders about the larger message of the film. And I think some of that is lost in translation. One thing I've found over the course of this three years is that we, when we're working on the film or I'm talking to the people in France, we think we have a common understanding. But you don't really understand the understandings not as common as you think until Hmm. there's a misunderstanding. Hmm. Once there's a misunderstanding, you realize, well, wait, I told you that. Or, oh, I thought you understood that. And so I think when they saw the bigger picture of the film, me introducing it, talking about what my vision for the film was and how I wanted to honor all veterans. Um, but it's the French people that are setting the example with the way they treat the World War II veterans. And they saw the response of all of the veterans, not just World War II veterans. They realized that this story is not just about Normandy and it's not just for Normandy there's a much broader message and flows like I need to go back to France and explain to everybody on the project sort of what happened while we were here for this mm. two weeks. That was very meaningful for me because I had that tension, that feeling that they didn't understand and that they were going to be disappointed because we intentionally started this film and we were going to tell just Danny's story. That's why it's called The Girl Who Wore Freedom. And in the end, it did. it's not just Danny's story. And there are many reasons for that. 
she was only five. She doesn't have a lot of memories. There's not a beginning, middle, and end like a regular story. And we had to find a way to tell a bigger story. And in doing that, as in many documentaries, it turns out differently than you thought it would in the beginning. I don't think they understood that. You know, we thought this was going to be about Danny and just Danny's life. And I think that that was confusing. So they did have a lot of questions. Mm. And this was the first time we had an extended period of time to talk about that so I could answer them and for them to demonstrate the impact on the American audience. So that was so valuable. That was sort of a side side thing. And, and the thing I love about this project is many movies. I've worked on others before. You film the film, and then everybody goes their separate ways, and then whatever happens with the film happens in the film. This story's different because I have a personal relationship with these people. I'm not just grabbing their story and trying to profiteer from it. I have a relationship. I want this film to make a difference in their lives in France, here with our veterans. And so I'm not going to just take their story and use it for my purposes and discard them along the way. I really want them to feel as good about this film as I do. And so it was a wonderful side benefit that that they had this experience. I'm very thankful to the people in Branson and the IMAX Film Festival for providing this opportunity and for giving us 750 people to see the film, connecting us with lots of donors. We raised about $5,000 during that week. They treated us like queens. We never paid for a meal. We were just treated like queens. It was and that was just one screen. <laughs> that was just one screen. And uh, in our next podcast, we'll get to the other screen. Yes. So. <laughs> um, anyhow, well, that, that's very exciting. I was going to ask if you guys raised money, so I'm glad you guys had success in, in raising funds there as well. So uh, I'm sure more will follow. I mean, yeah, actually, there were several people that said they had some connections. They wanted to introduce me to other people. So we'll see if those pan out. All right. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we really would appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email, and sign up for our newsletter at Normandy Stories. Please go to normandystories.com slash donate to make a donation today.